Hey, and welcome to Let's Talk CPF, a podcast where we bring conversations on CPF to your ears. Brought to you by the CPF Board, this podcast will answer common questions, offer tips, and feature interviews with industry experts on CPF and financial planning. Thanks for listening and let's get straight into today's episode. Welcome back to Let's Talk CPF. I'm Yu Zhen from CPF Board. Homeownership is a major milestone for many of us. For first-time home buyers and young couples, what are the options available and what considerations should they have when looking to purchase a home? In this episode, we have Ryan Ong, partner with Stack Homes, an online editorial aimed at helping Singapore home buyers, sellers, and renters make better decisions to share with us. Hi, Ryan. Hi, Ethan. Thanks for having me here. We're happy to have you here. To get things started, Ryan, help our listeners to get to know you a little. Could you share with us what is Stack Homes about? So Stacked Homes is a property website. We do a lot of very in-depth reviews on various developments. This includes new condos as well as some of the older resale condos for which you may find difficulty getting reviews, especially if they're 10, 15 years old. But we do have reviews for older condos as well. We also provide updates on current trends in the property market. That's for both investors as well as genuine home buyers and also sellers as well. So we do go out of our way to try and make everyone as informed as possible on their property purchases. So do drop by and have a look. Mm, so one of the hot things now, right, is ever-rising HDB pricing, okay? It is at record high now, right? So let's say if I'm a first-time home buyer or a young couple, what are the options I have now? Right, so while it's true that the HDB resale prices are very high right now, they're at around an eight-year high, one thing to take note of is that a lot of reason comes down to the number of five-year-old flats entering the market. So we have a bumper crop of flats that are very new. They just hit their five-year MOP. And these flats are sort of pulling up the price average. Now, a five-year-old flat is a pretty price buy, as you can imagine, because it's new, it's very shiny, right? There's almost negligible lease decay. And unlike a BTO flat, of course, you can move in right away. So if you're going for these five-year-old flats, I think you have to be prepared for the prices to be on the high end. There's probably going to be more in the way of cash over valuation. If you're willing to look outside of these flats that are a little bit older than these, for example, you may find that there are actually still quite affordable resale flats out there. So do take a close look. Don't brush them off straight away. Not every resale flat is expensive right now. That being said, another alternative to look at is if you cannot get a BTO flat, you really need a resale flat that you can move into right away. You do not have to go out and get the absolute biggest flat that your money can get right now. You can always think in terms of being able to upgrade after the MOP period, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, right? And it may be prudent at this point even to get a smaller resale flat that's comfortable, that's in a location that suits you. And you can save up and almost think of upgrading a little bit further down the road. There's no need to rush and overcommit. Mm. So Ryan, you mentioned something about you don't need to look at the recent MOP flat and also you can actually consider about sizes or even location, right? Yes. Certain location is more attractive than the others. Is there a reason why that prompts you to mention about wow, looking at the big and shiny? Are there any red flags that you are seeing in the market trends right now for young couples? Right. So one thing that should be considered for young couples is there is a slightly increased tendency to look at private homes, which have a very high price per square foot, but a very low overall quantum. And that's quite typical of, say, a one bidder mm. or a very small two bidder. 
And it can be quite tempting if you're in that income range because you could, for example, get a private condo unit somewhere in the Boogie Beach Road area for 1.3 million. Mm. In one case that we know of, it was even under 1 million for the one bidders. So this can be quite tempting for some young couples, as you can imagine, you know, being able to live in the heart of town and it's private with your pool and everything, yes. right? But if you're going to do this, I mean, I won't outright say it's wrong, but you do need to consider what's going to happen a couple of years down the road. So one common complication that arises here is once you've bought your one bidder unit, you have to remember that you can't then go and buy an HDB flat because now you own a private property, right? So what happens if you buy a one bidder unit and then two, three years down the road, you meet the right person, you decide you want to settle down and you want to start a family? Probably not going to be able to all squeeze into a 500 square foot unit, right? And then you might find yourself a little bit stuck because you can't get an HDB flat because you really own private property, but it may not be ideal to sell at that point in time. We don't know what the market will be like. There's other factors to consider as well, such as if you dispose of a private property, you do need to wait uh, 30 months before you can apply for, you know, a BTO flat. So that may leave you stuck with having to look at resale flats, which we know are pricier than BTO flats, right? And of course, if you sell within the first three years, there is a seller stamp duty that applies, so may not be good for you financially. So while some people do consider this a possibility to buy a low quantum one beta private unit, it might be viable, but you do need to look a little bit further down the road and consider what's going to happen if you're going to get settled down, if you're going to get married and so forth. Mm, so it's like keeping their eyes open, know what they're going into, right? So actually, there's this trend that's happening among my friends of not buying property. They are considering rental, which is for traditional Asian mindset. It's like unthinkable, you know. <laughs> so actually, do you have any thoughts about it? Like, let's say if I don't want to buy now, is it advisable at all to rent before they are ready to maybe get a, a dream home of their future? As far as opinions go, I have always actually been a big fan of renting if you have to. I know that it is a common thing in the Singaporean mindset to say that rental money is just wasted money. You're just helping the landlord to pay their mortgage and so forth. But honestly, to me, it does make sense to rent if you're not ready to commit to a property yet or if it's not practical to buy yet. Simply because... The potential loss of renting is not as great than the potential loss if you overcommit and you buy a property before you're ready. A property is not something you can just sell at the drop of a hat. Even if you buy an HDB flat, for example, you do have to wait out the five-year MOP before you can sell that flat. If you buy a private property, you have a three-year period with the SSD, right? So if you're not ready to take on these commitments really sort of long-term, but you need a place of your own to stay, renting creates less possibility of financial issues later on. So if you need to rent first, I would say rent first. Don't worry so much about whether or not you're helping the landlord to pay the mortgage or what have you. Mm, okay. Let's say if a young couple, after consideration and all this, right, they feel that, hey, they still want to have their own home. Like because the market now is like at all-time high, right? So should they aim to buy it now before they get priced out in the future? Or should they wait for a better time? Like maybe when the market goes down a bit. Well, I'll say the same thing that people in just about any market will tell you. And people who do stocks will tell you this. People who do bonds will tell you this, right? Timing the market, it's not done with a crystal ball. No one can tell you for sure that prices have bottomed out right now or that prices have hit a peak right now. So yes, it is true that if you don't buy now, prices may go even higher. That could happen. 
it could also happen that if you buy now, prices may start to plunge afterward and then you are the one who bought at a high point. I think the only honest answer here is we don't know when the best time is to buy except in hindsight. So I would focus more on what you can control. I think it should be more about the state of your personal finances than about the state of the market. So you should be worried less about what the market is like right now and more worried about simple basics like is the home more than five times your annual income? Are you going to commit more than 30% of your monthly income to monthly repayments? The right time to buy is when you can afford it and when you can stay within those parameters. If you can get the unit that you want and keep to those parameters, that is the right time to buy. Mm, So that they are not slaves to their homes. Yes. You don't want it to become major torment to you. You have to worry every month about where the money's coming from. Mm, Okay. Right. So one of the things about the current market is the attractive mortgage rate. But there are actually many options for young couples or first-time home buyers to look at. Sora, la, fix, la, floating, la, all these jargons, ah, my gosh. So actually, for such buyers, what should they consider when choosing the different plans? Right. So for some buyers who like a very predictable monthly loan repayment schedule, right, such as those of you who are using zero-based budgeting and so forth, Well, the HDB loan rate, even though it is higher than the average private bank loan, the HDB loan rate has not changed in a very long time, right? So much so that many people will just shrug and call it a fixed rate. Not technically correct, but it has not changed for decades. So if you want a predictable monthly repayment, you can look at the HDB loan rate. Another possibility is to refinance from one fixed rate to another. So every time your fixed rate loan package ends its fixed rate period, refinance into another fixed rate. Now, mind you, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll save money. In fact, you could actually end up spending more because fixed rates in general tend to be a little bit higher. But that can be helpful for people who absolutely loathe the idea of interest rates that are constantly bouncing up and down, right? You can also consider the terms and conditions of the loan that you're going to take. For example, many banks do have some prepayment penalties, right? So if you try to redeem your loan early, there might be a certain penalty that you need to pay. So do pay attention to the terms and conditions. You might want to go and find a loan package that does not have a prepayment penalty in the condition of sale, for example, or that waves off part of the prepayment penalty. That's definitely something worth looking at as well. But that's it. In the overall sense, the key thing to be aware of is that the low interest rates will not last forever. Uh, In fact, it's low right now because the Federal Reserve in the US cut interest rates. This is to help the economy during COVID. But we are expecting interest rate hikes and a normalization of interest rates that are starting as soon as 2022. So the low interest rates that you're seeing now are not going to last forever. Of course, home ownership is a very long-term commitment. I mean, the average person takes a loan 10 or 20, 25 years. So don't be under the impression that the low interest rate right now means that your home is super affordable. You do have to think in the long term. And I would point out that if you look before the last financial crisis, before 2008, right, we did see home loan interest rates of around 4%. So it is much higher than the current average of 1.3%. So in a sense, do long-term planning. If they decide not to choose HDB loan and take on the bank loan because of low interest now, at least be aware when interest rate hikes, so that at least they don't get a shock of their life. Yeah. (laughs) And for those who are thinking of switching from an HDB loan to a bank loan, which you can do, do bear in mind that you cannot do the reverse. You can switch your HDB loan into a bank loan. You can't go from a bank loan into an HDB loan. So you do want to think that through as well. Okay, Ryan, before we go, right, actually, I'm also quite interested to find out, say, for example, when couples are paying their mortgages, it's not just all cash. 
CPF actually do forms quite a big bout for a repayment of housing loans. So what are your takes to young couples when managing this repayment? So the thing to bear in mind is the CPF withdrawal limit. If you are using a bank loan, there's a limit to how much of your CPF you can use. There's also certain limitations for resale flats. For BTO flats, you can use your whole ordinary account. But a common stumbling block is people who don't monitor how much of their CPF they're using because they pay the down payment with CPF, they pay the stamp duties with CPF, they pay the monthly home loan with CPF for years and years. And then suddenly when they are in their mid-40s or when they hit 50 years old, suddenly they realize they hit the valuation limit and then now they need to pay in cash every month. This can come as a pretty nasty shock to some people, right? To suddenly find out that you now need to pay anywhere from hundreds to possibly a thousand plus dollars a month. So you do want to keep track of how much of your CPF money you're using, whether you're coming close to that valuation limit. You also want to keep track of how much CPF money you're using because, of course, when you do sell your, your home, you do need to pay the refund to your CPF as well. And you need that to plan for the purchase of your next home, how much cash in hand you're going to have. Personally, I'm a big fan of using a mix of cash and CPF. I don't think it's a good idea to use CPF as a pay and forget sort of strategy, right? Where you just close your eyes and just assume that it's fine, my CPF is always dealing with it. That's not a good idea. And I do find that if you use a mix of cash and CPF, for example, we have some buyers who do the down payment with CPF, but they service a part loan in cash. They tend to be more conscious of how much they're spending. They're also more aware of the loan interest rate, right? When it starts rising, they start to feel it and they're quite aware. So they're more prudent in refinancing when they have to. So that is definitely something to consider. Try and, you know, do a mix of cash and CPF. Don't just put it out of mind and use only your CPF. If you do really just want to use your CPF, then at least pay attention to how much of it you're using. Mm, because CPF at the end of the day is still your money. Yeah. And you should look at your assets as a whole, right. even in payment. It is part of your retirement plan after all, right? And you don't want to use up more of that paying for your house if you don't have to. Mm, and for some folks, maybe they might even keep a certain amount of CPF for rainy days. You can keep up to 20000 in your OA, right, when you purchase a property now. One good thing to consider is to keep enough to cover at least six months of the loan repayments. Mm. So in the event of an absolute emergency, you are aware that you can at least service your home loan for six months. That's enough time to financially recover or in a worst case scenario, agent has enough time to market and sell the property. Like a safety net, huh? Yeah. All right. So thank you, Ryan. So today you have shared with us options as well as red flags for young couples and first-time homeowners to think about. You have also brought up pointers in choosing mortgage plans and the use of CPF in home mortgage. Before we go, any last words or final advice to our listeners? So always think very far into the long term. When it comes to home ownership, don't be eager to jump into things just because you're told that rates are going up, you're going to get priced out of the market and so forth. Do be calm about it and remember that this is something that you're going to stick with for most people, 10, 15 years, right? That's how long they stay in their first home. So think about it in the long term and don't feel rushed into doing it. And if you're in doubt, just rent. Don't feel bad about it. Mm, right. So thank you, Ryan. And with that, we have come to the end of today's episode of Let's Talk CPF. Before you go, we would love to hear from you. Email us with your questions or comments at podcast at cpf.gov.sg so we can create better content for you. You can also leave us a review on the platform you're listening from to help others learn about our podcast. For the latest news, visit cpf.gov.sg slash podcast or follow our social media pages. 
Thank you once again. Until the next time, let's talk CPF.